Hi, Marked listeners. We're planning some exciting things for the future of the podcast, so we want to hear from you. Take our fun survey and give us all of your opinions about Marked to enter for a chance to win a Lifeway Women backpack filled with Bible studies and other great resources for diving into God's Word. To take the survey, go to lifewaywomen.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes. We can't wait to hear from you. the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Hyman, and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. How are you today, Kelly? I'm good. It's good to be back, even though we still aren't together in the same room, Elizabeth. We we are still making a way to make these happen. Yes. So forgive us for any weird audio things. We are working from home. Well, from anywhere. Kelly's not at home, but she's um, actually at a podcast studio, which is nice, but I am at home. So um, I'm going to be maybe a little bit different on the audio, but we're here today with Mary Demuth, and we're so excited to have you. Mary, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's hot in Texas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we, um, we typically don't introduce people. We let them introduce themselves because we think that's more fun. So tell us about yourself <laughs> and your family and your ministry right now. Yeah, so I have three adult kids. My youngest turns 22 today, so um, that's exciting. And a husband of almost 30 years. We'll celebrate our 30-year anniversary at the end of the year. And we uh, live in the Dallas, Texas area. We have been church planters in France in the past. And we always have had kind of the DNA of missions and always wanting to um, serve overseas in a variety of different kinds of ways. I'm a writer and a speaker. I'm a podcaster. I have a podcast called Pray Every Day, and um, which is what it is. <laughs> I pray every day <laughs> for people. And um, I've written about, I think I'm at 42 books now. And um, that's kind of my primary occupation is as a writer uh, but also, I really love speaking so much, but this year has <laughs> changed that a little bit. And uh, so I'm speaking on Zoom a lot, but it's not the same. It's not because, I mean, we, you just kind of miss that live audience. And, I, you know, I did not know that about you um, being doing missions in France. And a lot of people would go, that just sounds really romantic to mm-hmm. do that. But it's also, it's a, that's a difficult place to do missions. Yeah, probably some of the hardest years of my life were there. Lots of spiritual warfare and um, yeah, just a, it was rough, but um, we did live in Southern France. And so um, I definitely perfected my crepes and Nutella recipe. So that's good. Ooh, and so yes. I took that away and I can make really good bread. So there we go. Hey, that's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I'll probably, like you said, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners may not know what a prolific author you have been, 
because here we are at LifeWay, and this is like your first Bible study Mm -hmm. with LifeWay women. And so let's talk just a little bit about it. It's called Into the Light, and it's a biblical approach to healing from the past. So tell us a little bit about the premise of the study, who the audience it's really meant for, and, and how a group might even want to go through this. Sure. Um, a little tidbit that most people don't know about me is that some of the first things that I ever wrote um, for kind of just publication in my church at the time were Bible studies. And so this is like going back to my DNA of what I started with, you know, back in the early 2000s. So it's kind of fun to just have this be called my first Bible study. And it's like, oh, it's not, but it's, it is with Lifeway. And the impetus in writing it was... Um, I wrote a book last year called We Too, How the Church Can Respond Redemptively to the Sexual Abuse Crisis. And um, we wanted to do something more with it, but we didn't want it to just be about sexual abuse because, as you know, we live in a traumatized world. And uh, a lot of people do have that story, but not everybody does. But I would say 100% of us have people in our lives who are broken and we so long to help them. And we don't want to do it in a way that hurts, but a way that actually helps. And so this study was born out of not only how do you help others heal, but as you're he- helping others heal, how do you have your own healing journey? Because we can't duplicate what we ha- the work that we haven't done yet. So we have to do the work in ourselves. And then that work that we've done in, in healing translates in the way that we approach our friends and family members who also need to walk a journey of healing. Yeah. And we're so excited about that. I got to edit this study. So that's really fun for me to get to talk through it again. Um, And yeah, I think that's the hope for the study. And I think especially after this year, like our world has just experienced even more hurt. We're very aware of the brokenness um, in our world of all kinds of different hurts and traumas. And so I think this study is going to be even more important as we all like learn to heal together and heal, um, biblically, because there is so much that we get, we get all these messages all the time about how to heal from things. And so I appreciate this study that takes the biblical approach, um, to show us stories like this in scripture and how we can use the Bible and use those stories as encouragement, but also challenges to, to walk out our faith in this way. Um, And so one of the taglines of your study is an untold story never heals. And we love that. But can you explain that a little bit more? How do we heal by sharing our stories? Well, when we keep them inside, a whole bunch of bad things happen. And especially when we try to push it down. Um, it usually comes out what I've said, said it to audiences, it comes out in your behavior. It might not come out in your mouth. Um, but those things that you vowed that you would never do, like, I will never treat my kids that way, or I will never do this. It comes out in your behavior and the things that you very much did not want to do, or the things that hurt you are now the things that you do. And, and people get bewildered. Like, why am I repeating the sins of the past? Part of that is as simple as letting it out and into the light of day to tell the truth. And some people, you know, have a hard time doing that. And so my first um, encouragement is to write it down on a piece of paper. If you, if you're too afraid, write it out, get it out of you. Um, You'll have a better perspective if it's out of you. And then the next step would be to find somebody who, um, who's safe and kind-hearted and empathetic and to share that story with them. Maybe it's as, you know, still too difficult. So you just shove the piece of paper across to them and get it out of you so someone else can shoulder it with you and also empathize with you and say, you're not crazy. 
that did happen. That's terrible. And I'm so sorry. Just having that, having someone else say that to you helps you realize it was real and you're not going crazy. That's really helpful. Um, in light of even just a personal experience that I've been going through over the past year of someone who it really did come into the light. And I think it had been going, I mean, like there was that trauma that had happened for several years and, and no one knew it it felt like this secret. And I, I even sent her your book and she said that that was super, super helpful. Um, and I think there is something about having a safe place. And I think as, as women's groups, as they gather around this study, I think that's really a desire is to create those safe spaces for, for groups to have those conversations. And so do you, how would it, like a group leader, like you said, kind of showing that empathy and maybe just to be able to say, I'm sorry, and to recognize that. Um, I think for a group leader who maybe doesn't even, maybe they haven't gone through it. What, what tips would you give them as they kind of approach of why, why would I do this study and how could I lead this study? Well, I, I go back to the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we can comfort those who are in any. So you don't have to have the same affliction, but you can experience God's comfort. The best thing that you can do to kind of create that atmosphere in your group is to be vulnerable yourself. And you may not have the exact same story as someone else, but if you go first, it gives people the permission to go as well and not to feel like they're crazy or alone. Um, and then to uh, reflect back and be a good listener. In these this past couple of years, I think it's just been, we're terrible at listening. We're really good at megaphoning. We're really good at getting our point across, but we're not very good at active listening. And so having those phraseologies like, oh, that's terrible. Or if that happened to me, I would be so sad. Or, wow, it must be really difficult for you to, you know, even say the story out loud. Just those kinds of statements of just, I'm listening to you. I validate your pain. I'm walking with you in it. I wish it didn't happen. Um, you know, and I don't know why God allowed that to happen. I think we have to be really careful about those kind of pat answers that we've heard in the past of, you know, God's going to, everything's going to turn out for good. And even though those are biblical, those are not very helpful for someone who's suffering. Yes, God does have a plan for your life to prosper you, but we forget that that was written to people in exile. So they, they weren't experiencing it at the time. And so we have to be very cautious about those Christian cliches. Mm, that's good. Yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, and just kind of, I think you kind of already answered like our question, but just like some, are there any other practical tips if maybe not for the group leader, but one-on-one, if somebody comes to you and shares a story, is there anything other than listening well that, um, we can do to kind of point them toward the truth, um, and point them, help them to, I don't know, get the story into the light. Like what are some ways that we can encourage people to tell their stories? Um, even if it's one-on-one and not in a group. I would say to tenderly ask questions, um, to respond to the Holy Spirit as he prompts you, because sometimes you can come across asking questions. It just seems like they're nosy questions, like, well, I want to know all the details of your story because it's weird, Um, (laughs) versus uh, I'm curiously interested in how God met you there. Um, Please, you know, would you elaborate or if you feel comfortable 
Um, how did that make you feel when that happened? Um, just those kinds of like clarifying questions along the way. Um, I think we're in an unprecedented time right now where we are not grieving what needs to be grieved. Mm. And we are not a lamenting culture. We do not know how to lament. And I have a feeling that after this is over with COVID and race relations and all of the things that are just weighing heavy on all of us, we've been stuffing, 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 stuffing. Uh, we're going we're gonna to need to all learn how to help each other corporately grieve. And part of that is that art of asking really great tender-hearted questions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about that. I mean, like, so it really is the two parts of knowing how to ask the good questions, but then also knowing how to be the active listener. Right. right? And when, when someone is trying to maybe improve their listening skills, what would you say? I mean, I think you've given us some advice and some things to, to think through, but, you know, how can we, even like we can't be face-to-face a lot of times. So having that active listening, you, you really have to work at it. How do you help people be a better listener? I guess that's my question. I think part of it, of course, is just trying to crawl into their shoes and have empathy for them. And then um, the power of silence is something we don't like. Uh, we, we try to fill our lives with so many words. And sometimes it's okay to ask a question and let there be silence. And usually if you can last a few seconds, something at the end of that will come out. You know, there'll be some new revelation um, because it shows that you're willing to even be uncomfortable with those silences to give people the space that they need to process. So I, I'm uncomfortable with silence. I mean, I know this is a really hard thing, but um, if we can just be quiet sometimes. And um, another thing that I, I think is really helpful, and, and this doesn't have to do with listening in a way, but then it also does. And that is to not push against your reactionary emotions. So what I mean by that is some of the most powerful healing times in my life have come when people just started crying. Yeah. They heard my story and they wept. And instead of trying to hold it back, they just were sad about it. And that had no words to it. There were no questions. There was nothing. They just cried. And eventually the words would come out. I just wish that that didn't happen to you. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. But the crying made it so much re more real to me. Like they truly entered in because they were weeping with those who wept according mm -hmm. to Romans 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, uh, when I took a, a counseling internship, my internship, uh, supervisor said that to us and he was like, you know, it's okay that you as the counselor start crying. I mean, because people are going to tell you really hard stuff and really sad stuff. And that's okay. Cause they know that you're human and that helps them to know that you're human and you're empathizing with them. Um, and so he kept a box of tissues like on his side of the desk and a box of tissues on the counselee side of the desk. Um, and he said, this is a this should be a regular part of your counseling is, you know, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice. And, um, I think that we do, we're like embarrassed of emotion or we think, Oh, this didn't happen to me. I shouldn't be the one crying. But I think it is very much living out that Romans 12 passage that we are supposed to weep with the people that are weeping, even if we don't understand it, um, just because they're mourning. And so we mourn with them. Yeah, I was thinking, too, just when, when you were saying that, Elizabeth, 
so I know someone who is a, a biblical counselor in her church and part of her, like part of her trauma and things that she has to deal with Mary is, is, is hearing mm-hmm. all of the, the tough stuff. So what would, what would you tell someone who maybe is on the side of they're the person who is listening to a lot of trauma and they, they are trying to help people because they themselves have to, to take care of themselves. What are some good practical things that the caregiver, the, I think that's the only word I can think of right now yeah. um, for them to, to stay kind of grounded and, and really um, healthy. Yeah, I call this empathy fatigue, <laughs> and yes. uh, it's a it is a reality, and I have experienced it. And I wish that I had like all of the seven steps on how to not have that. But um, I think anyone following Christ who wants to bear the burdens of others is going to be in danger of empathy fatigue. But going into it wide eyed and with strong boundaries is really important. And I I started that with um, knowing that We Too was releasing and I was going to get an onslaught of stories, but I didn't finish it well. I just like opened the floodgates and let everyone say all their things. And then I had to take a sabbatical because I was so burned out. I couldn't bear another story. And so I think it's also being able to listen to yourself and say, why am I upset when I hear another story? When usually I, my tendency is like, oh, what a privilege I get to bear the weight of a story. But if I'm like, ah, oh, not another one, then I know that it's time for me to retreat and spend some time with the Lord or do something out in nature or do whatever the, some of those spiritual pathways are that rejuvenate me because I, I'm just a human being. I'm not Jesus. Um, I have the spirit of God dwelling within me, but I am finite and I cannot carry the weight of all the stories of the world. That's Jesus's job. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's something that we're experiencing right now um, on a macro level, like we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, As we're recording this, we're also in the midst of like a renewed civil rights movement. And then on a micro level, we've seen deaths of loved one, cancellations of major life events. job loss, domestic abuse, just to name a few things that we're experiencing all together right now. Um, So how would you encourage believers in the midst of this, in the midst of like the, because I'm sure we're all getting empathy fatigue as well as just actual fatigue from living through all of this. So what are some things that, some practical things that we can do, but then also like what encouragement would you have um, for believers in the light of all this pain and suffering right now? I think this time has caused us to forcefully retreat. Um, And some of us are really not comfortable with that. And so we still stay in that frenzied pace. You cannot heal in frenzy. The only way that you can heal from pain is in quiet and stillness and in those places of connection with the Lord and um, also with other believers. And I know that that's problematic these days, but um, we all have kind of a circle of people that we can still hang out with and um, do life with. And so don't forsake that assembly (laughs) together. And also don't fill up your, all this free time with more stuff, but really use this as a gift from God to rest, to find Sabbath, to, um, to spend more time quietly with him 
and to really gain perspective that this life is not about social media. It's not about our image that we project onto the world. It's not about, um, you know, even the cultural values that our culture espouses that we're seeing, you know, in, in very strong words these days. Um, that may be anti-biblical. Um, it's not about any of that. It's about knowing the word of God and knowing the word of God, Jesus as the word of God. So knowing him and knowing what he says, I, I truly believe that we have a biblical illiteracy problem in the United States and the American church. And so to immerse yourself in scripture, a lot of it um, for long periods of time to study and then just to be quiet so you can hear the still small voice of God who gives out encouragement that you so desperately need. I feel like we're drinking out of squirt guns <laughs> these mm-hmm. days, you know, like we just, we are, we're sufficing ourselves with a little squirt of God. And there's, there's these waterfalls that he wants us to stand under. And this is a unique time where we can. Yeah. And in your Bible study, how do you kind of break that down? What is kind of the outline. Can you share it with our listeners so they kind of get a good glimpse of what's in the studies and how that that will help them? Sure. So this is really very um, connected to the Bible, and I, obviously it's a Bible study, but um, <laughs> but we look at a lot. Of, it makes sense, right? We look at a lot of stories in the Bible, um, particularly of women in crisis and women who are hurting, and um, we look at our own personal journeys as well as, you know, what does the healing journey look like and how does it look like in scripture and how can we apply that to our lives? And then, of course, we look at, well, as a helper, what are the best practices as a helper? How can you help someone who has a story completely different from your own and you have no frame of reference for it? What do you do when you have empathy fatigue? What, how do you rejuvenate yourself? And so it kind of starts on your own journey, then helping others with their journey, and then uh, learning how to kind of preserve your soul in the midst of everybody's healing journey. Oh, yeah. That's going to that's gonna be so helpful to the church and, and, and really different than a lot, of, a lot of our other Bible studies, wouldn't you say, Elizabeth? I mean, since you edited... Yeah, I think this one is more um, more about community than a lot of our other ones because it's it's how to heal together, kind of, and how mm-hmm. to how to heal yourself while also heal helping other people as they heal. And so, I think this one is definitely more um, community oriented, but definitely needed at at this time um, more so than ever. And I think a lot of women are going to be looking for something similar to this. So we're excited that we get to provide that for them. Yeah. Uh, Mary, before we go, we also wanted to ask you about your podcast. So you pray every day and that's what your podcast is about. So what has God taught you about prayer by doing the podcast? You know, I think what I've been getting in terms of feedback, which has been really helpful is that people are learning how to connect with God based on my daily prayers, which is really humbling, of course. And um, what we do in the show is right now I'm reading through the whole book of Acts. So I take a whole book of scripture and I, I go through it like verse by verse. So every day there might be 10 to 20 verses that I read and then I pray according to that scripture. And so just praying scripture back to God has been a really positive practice for me. But yeah, the, that secondary 
people just learning how to communicate with him, how to pray, how to hear his voice, how to be raw and real um, with the Lord and just be conversational. Uh, so much of our lives with the Lord is just that conversation we have all day long. Um, you know, help me to eat healthy today, Lord, instead of that chocolate bar that's, you know, preening before me. Uh, just those kinds of things, you know, where we have this conversation. So, and I think too, um, just how prayer is our breath. It is, it is what supplies what we, our souls, what they need. Yeah. We get so many questions through Lifeway Women about how to pray and how to pray scripture. And um, so we're going to start sending everybody to your podcast because this, right. I think it is such a thing that we, we think we get caught up in the how to's when it's not really that complicated, but we just make it complicated in the church and um, in our heads and as we think through it. And I think uh, it's, it's gotta be so helpful and useful to people to just see somebody do it, like to look, to, well, to hear somebody do it in this case, because it's a podcast, but to just to kind of listen to you pray and read scripture and pray that scripture, that is such a helpful thing. And so thank you for doing that. Perfect. Thanks. It's only five minutes long, so it's not a huge commitment. Yeah, that's and, doable. Uh, <laughs> yep. And at the end of July, we should hit a million downloads. So that wow. to me is miraculous. That's all glory to God. Wow, that's amazing when you think about, and, and I think Elizabeth is right. We do have a lot of women when we do our training events. That is a question that we get, and it's almost a surprise to me of women who maybe have never even prayed out loud or they right. don't feel comfortable praying in a group. And one of the things that we suggest is pray scripture back to the Lord. Like he is, especially mm -hmm. even in the Psalms, when you realize like he gave that to be given back to him. And that's such a, a huge part of that. So I'm excited and I'm excited. I don't, we didn't say this, um, Elizabeth earlier, but Mary is going to be at the women's leadership forum in November and awesome. doing a breakout on this. And so we're really excited about you being there too. Um, but our podcast is named marked. And so <laughs> one of the questions we always ask our guests is what has marked you? Interestingly enough, I wrote a book called Not Marked. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but what, what that goes back to is uh, being a sexual abuse survivor, um, was uh, sexually abused at age five for a year. And I felt so much that my life was marked by that in a negative sense. And it wasn't until I met Jesus that I began to see that that did not have to be the centrality of my story. I didn't have to live like this person who had been defiled that way. And one of the things that I do with people who don't know me well and don't know that I'm, I have, you know, a Facebook page and all that kind of stuff, you know, whatever website um, is I'll, I'll just have a conversation and I'll ask, well, what do you, how do you think I grew up? You know, just give me an idea. And they'll honestly almost always say, you must have had this really strong Christian home. It must have been all delightful and ponies and rainbows. And then I share my testimony and say, no, but look what Jesus has done. He has taken the most broken girl, um, suicidal girl, and has utterly transformed that into joy. And the joy that I feel like I'm marked by now is that joy of helping others overcome their own difficult stories. There's no greater joy in my life than knowing that my story matters to somebody else in a positive sense and that I'm not telling my story to get vindication. I'm not telling my story to have people feel sorry for me. I'm not telling my story to get attention. I'm telling my story so that other people will know they're not alone and they'll start their healing journey. 
I think that's beautiful because sometimes yeah. I think we do tend to go to the negative side of being marked, but if we can see <laughs> the joyful part, that's really good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for coming on the podcast today. Um, and if her Bible study again is called into the light and you can find it at lifeway.com slash into the light. And we'll have links and show notes and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but we're so glad that you were able to join us today, Mary. And I think you have provided lots of encouragement for all of us um, during this time. Well, thanks so much. Uh, that makes me happy because that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> Encourage folks. Great. Well, we will hopefully see you soon in person and not just on Zoom and that we will get to hear more from you and we're excited about your study. Thanks for joining us today and we will look forward to seeing you the next time on the March Podcast. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heinemann. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for teen girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.